0: Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight, but we miss him so much. So let's bring him on the show. Ian Fitzsimmons, co-host of Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, also on the sidelines of Georgia Ole Miss on Saturday. Coverage beginning right here on ESPN Radio at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Hello, Ian.
1: Mr. Uh, Wilson, how are you? Uh, live from uh, Athens, Georgia, where uh, this, this town is buzzing for a top-ten matchup, and a lot of the talk around the restaurants and the streets is all about not Georgia, not Ole Miss, but Jim Harbaugh. So here we go. I mean, let, let, let's get it. And let's get after it. Look, I mean, we, we, you and I have talked about this for weeks. We, we thought this was going to happen. I, 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 I knew that, that Harbaugh was going to be suspended again, and we're bookending it. Three games on the front end of the season three games on the back end, uh, and I, I like what uh, the Big Ten did and their, their commissioner, Tony Patetti, and, and that is, hey, we're not going to punish the players. We're going to punish the guy who was in charge, and that's Jim Harbaugh.
2: Ian, here's the question, though, right? Is Harbaugh your best guess? Is he on the sidelines tomorrow? Because, you know, we're, we're, we're doing, you know, court stuff and legal stuff, and Michigan said they're not bringing a knife to a gunfight. So is, is Harbaugh going to be coaching tomorrow?
1: Look, man, that's that's Amber, and that's not me. She, she's the attorney. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm the college football guy, then the NFL guy, right? So uh, I'm the field analyst and reporter. So you pose that question, my brother, to uh, yeah. to, to Miss Wilson, uh, Esquire. But, but, but uh, look, right now, I mean, they're saying, you know, hey, he's suspended. He's suspended. I do not expect him to be on the sideline tomorrow, but I do like the fact that they're allowing him to you know, be a part of install during the week and that's not punishing the players, but it's almost like game of Thrones, right? When what's her name, you know, was shamed, like, you know, shame, Cersei. shame, shame, right? Yeah. I mean that he won't be there on the sidelines. It gets talked about every week. Therefore he is publicly shamed, right? But the players are not being punished during the week. He can be a part of install. He has that big football brain, but, we will, be, we will be reminded for the next three weeks that he is not there because he blatantly cheated. And here's the other part, guys. I mean, i talked to numerous coaches going, they had a great plan. They were just, just egregious about it and, and arrogant. If they used like three or four guys, three or four different people, they could have done this for years, forever, and no one would have, would have ever known. They use the same dude under his name every single time, and that's how they got Pops.
0: Part of it is a punishment for stupidity. Ian Fitzsimmons joining us here on Amber and Ian Jonathan (laughs) Zazler In Ian's seat tonight because Ian is at Georgia Ole Miss. That game on our airwaves tomorrow at 6.30. I'm not going to go full lawyer on you, Ian, because I know what that did to you last night. And your eyes were just glazed over. Uh, You You made my head hurt. I I I lost the audience. I was was enjoying it, frankly. You were not. But let me ask you this: Does it matter? I mean, does it matter? Whatever happens here with Harbaugh, if he's able to get an injunction, whatever, does it actually matter if he's not on the sidelines? Because, oh, by the way, it didn't earlier in the season. I recognize this is different competition.
1: Yeah, the the last part right there, Amber. It it, it could, Um, and at, at times it. It might. Do you go for it on fourth and one on your own, you know, 38-yard line? I mean, or, or your own 44. Are, are you kicking a, a field goal where your, your field goal kicker is comfortable from 52, but, it's you know, it's 54? I mean, who knows? I mean, those little things. Remember, Ryan Day went through this also. You know, when Urban Meyer was suspended for the first three games of, of, of his last season at, at Ohio State, Ryan Day was also a fill-in and they didn't miss a beat, and they haven't since, right, since Ryan Day has been there. Uh, So there are remarkable assistant coaches on that staff. They managed the first three games, but the competition's going to a whole other level. But I take this to the players in the room. Remember what Zach Zinter, their All-American guard, said earlier this week, you want us to play the role of a villain? I'm good with that, because every now and then, the villain whips a superhero's ass. So... These dudes are going to be so galvanized and so together. Even if Harbaugh is not on that sideline tomorrow, I can guarantee you those dudes are coming out hell-bent And Penn State. You might want to pull that jock strap up a little tighter because those dudes wearing maize and blue, they're coming.
2: Well, yeah, that, that's that's what, I'll, what I want to ask you here, Ian. You know, you could be on one side or the other. It's It, it seems like I know which side you're going to come off on. Does this hurt Michigan enough on a game day that they lose their coach on a game day, in-game decisions that Penn State winds up tagging Michigan with their first loss? Or are these kids for the Wolverines like, you know what? We're just going to come out and we're going to pound on Penn State and we're going to yeah, show everybody how good we are.
1: Yeah, the, the latter, Coach. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, these guys are... Yeah, it's like J.J. McCarthy said earlier this year, the Michigan's quarterback, where he said, did it feel weird without Coach Harbaugh on the sideline? Yeah, but we wanted to win for him. Yeah. Well, guess what? Take two. Again, the irony runs deep. First three games, last three. And, And everyone's wondering, well, why not the Big Ten title game? Well, we cross that bridge if they get to it. And I expect them to get to it. They are the most talented and deepest team in college football. I expect them to roll tomorrow. Uh, and then roll on back to Ann Arbor, and then Harbaugh will be in team meetings, and then come Friday, you know, he'll be at the team hotel, and then Saturday, you'll, they may have a rotation of coaches as they did in the first three games, or he might designate, this is my interim head coach until I'm back, and then I fully expect him to be in the NFL next year, guys. Fully expected, but right now, this is going to be a, a united front, and these dudes are coming, and they are talented, and they're angry, and Penn State... <laughs> You might want to start taking those shots now because it's a noon kick and not a 7 o'clock kick. You might want to go ahead and get looped up because it's going to be a long day.
0: Well, that's all anybody's talking about, but you're not at Penn State. You are, in fact, in Athens, Georgia for Ole Miss, Georgia. So let's talk about the game that you'll be on the call for tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Coverage begins right here on ESPN Radio. Give me the most interesting storyline. I know there's several. Give me the most interesting one to you, Ian.
1: Well, it's it's a quiet whisper that is no longer a quiet whisper. It's kind of a murmur. Is Brock Bowers going to play tomorrow? Now, remember, Tua talking about Loa when he was at Alabama when he had his tightrope surgery on his ankle, he came back in twenty days. So this is 20, day twenty six or twenty seven uh, for Brock Bowers, and there it, a lot of a lot of people uh, around campus here are wondering, "Hey, is he coming back?" So I, I mean, I don't know if he is or not, but there's a, a distinct possibility he could. Um, because just of the timetable of, of that tightrope surgery and how long it takes, along with Mar- Marius Mims, you know, that outstanding right tackle is going to be a first round draft pick. You know, he got he, he got he, he twisted his ankle up against South Carolina. I do not expect him to be back, but Brock Bowers to me is, is the best player in college football. Uh, he is going to be a surefire first round pick. Um, he won't be, he may not go top five like Kyle Pitts did, but I think he's a more complete tight end. And Kyle Pitts was because he will get in line and you want him to wham a nose tackle. He'll do it for you. Uh, That's what makes him just so versatile. So I'm curious to see during warm ups tomorrow if 19's out there, you know, and when they come out, he'll come out in warm ups. But when they pad up right about an hour before kick, I will be watching that Georgia tunnel going is 19 coming out. Uh, That's number one. Number two. I um, Georgia is starting to click. I mean, Carson Beck is getting better and better at quarterback every single week. Now, on the other side, you know, Amber, you, you, we talked about it last night. Lane Kiffin, you know, said, hey, we have nothing to lose. And I expect him to coach like there's nothing to lose. If there's a fourth and short in the zone 40, expect Lane Kiffin to go for it. You know, I mean, and if there's any play like Lincoln Rally had against Washington, right, where they ran that jet sweep to the left, uh, with the the freshman's uh, um, you know, branch and then pitched it back to Caleb Williams and he throws a deep ball for a to uh, up the left boundary. If there's any plays that, that Lane Kiffin has like that in his arsenal, you'll see it tomorrow night. I guarantee you he's not going to leave anything left because if Ole Miss wins this, they're in a driver's seat to try to make the college football playoff. And remember, if Tennessee wins early against Missouri in the early window, that's more. That adds so much more to this game because Georgia plays Tennessee next week. So if Tennessee wins, Georgia has to keep pace. Imagine that. Yeah, I said it. Georgia has to keep pace with Tennessee because if they lose. Then that ne- next week, that's a tiebreaker between Georgia and Tennessee for the SEC East. This game is massive tomorrow night.
0: And we will be watching for this top 10 matchup with huge SEC implications and also national implications. 7 p.m. kick from Athens. Ian Fitzsimmons will get you started right here on ESPN Radio at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Thanks, Ian.
1: Thanks, Ian. Don't lawyer it up too much tonight, Amber. Don't do it. No problem. You'll make all our heads hurt. Don't do it.
0: Coming up next here on Amber and Ian with Jonathan Zaslow in the saddle for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight as Ian rides off into the sunset to cover that game for us tomorrow. Which NFL teams are in the worst quarterback situation? We'll get into it. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app.
1: Celebrating Veterans Day with Aaron Rodgers on ESPN Radio. The shape and the direction of the world and our country was molded by those men and women brave men and women um you know to be able to be here today to play a game we love to live in a free country um you know we know that it's because of the sacrifice of so many and we're so appreciative espn radio celebrating america's heroes on veterans day
2: Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
1: Let's go! This is Amber Indians. One eighty. Football questions from veterans. <laughs> All right, so my name is Tom Coba. I was a sergeant in the
3: United States Marine Corps. And my question for you, do you think the reason why the Steelers aren't doing as well as they could be is because of Pickens' inexperience or Matt Canada's offensive
2: incompetence? Shout
0: out to the Marine Corps. Shout out to all the vets. We appreciate all of you on this Veterans Day. I
2: Love the music. Like I'm fired up here in the talk on music. Like a Marine
0: asking you questions and you're fired up. You're ready to go. You're ready to run through a brick wall. Although I have a lot more confidence in a former Marine that he could run through a brick wall it, than Jonathan's like gotta be honest.
4: It is uh it is the Marine Corps' birthday today, too. So hey. he took time out of doing probably what the Marine Corps does to uh, you know, jump on the show for a minute.
0: Well, there you hey. go. Uh, shout out to that. Uh, it's happy a nice birthday! Nice touch that Marines. James
2: put together today, having those guys pop in on the show with their football questions. I like it.
0: It is. I know a nice touch from the veteran James Steele, who I'm sure wants more roses. So we will mention that again. What was your like? He was. He just gave his rank and everything. Yeah. His whole like. What's your? Oh, whole Let me hear. It. What's your rank?
2: What's let your thingamajig? Yeah,
4: my th- what's oh, your thing? My thingamajig. Uh, I, I was only in for four years, so I was a senior airman.
2: Okay. Senior airman. Sounds cool to me.
0: That still sounds pretty badass, I'm not going to yeah. lie.
2: <laughs> I don't have any of those titles in my resume. I'm just, it sounds I'm just better
0: than freshman airman or a junior airman. No know. idea if that's how it works. Senior,
4: but senior airman. Right, but yeah, I was a senior sure. airman.
2: Seem important to me.
4: Now I'm just almost a senior.
0: There you oh. go. Senior radio host or radio producer, rather. Not that either. Not even that. Uh, Jonathan Zazlo is a radio host at Zaslow's show. That's how you find him. At Amber W Sports, that is how you find me. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Is Kenny Pickett the problem? Is Matt Canada the problem? What's the problem with the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean,
2: I, I wouldn't say that Kenny Pickett is the problem. It's just his second year. I think maybe the expectation was a little bit too high going into this season, like you saw snippets of it last year, and it's not like he was you know a, a top uh, you know top first round pick last year where he's, he should be amazing right away, or at least that's what the expectation would be. I think we saw some glimpses last year, and maybe folks got a little ahead of themselves as far as what to expect in year number two from Kenny Pickett. He hasn't been what people thought. So I guess that's kind of blaming Kenny Pickett, but at the same time, I don't want to blame him because I, I, you got to give these guys a little bit more time.
0: The part that we saw from Kenny Pickett last season was at the end of the season, right? Yeah. We did not see it at the beginning of the season, and at the beginning of the season, the narrative if you're going to come from Ben Roethlisberger, there's going to be some growing pains. And so let's give Kenny Pickett some time. And then because he showed so much promise at the end of the season, yeah. I think that that's where the letdown is, is because now he actually looks like the guy that we saw for the first seven games last season In the first seven games last season and his first seven career games. He averaged six yards per attempt with a negative yeah. touchdown to interception ratio, three to eight, a 71 passer rating. This season, you're talking six to four touchdown to interception, uh, about fifteen hundred passing yards, not even quite. And yet. their
2: offense has looked inept at times. Yeah,
0: sixty sixty one percent completion rate, and it, it's just and it's it's been brutal to watch. Yeah, Matt Canada's system. What's interesting about the Canada portion of this conversation, and he's going to get a lot of heat, right? Is when he came in and he took over with Big Ben aging with Big Ben at the end of his career, I thought this is not going to be the right OC for Ben Roethlisberger because Matt Canada is going to want to do too much trickery and and, and have Big Ben try to roll outside of the pocket and do too many things. And it's not going to work for a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger at Ben Roethlisberger's age. And then it didn't look good in Ben Roethlisberger's last year, but that wasn't surprising. And then enter Kenny Pickett. And okay, it, you got to give him some time. He's a rookie, right? And it really started clicking at the end of the last season. And I, too, even thought, this Kenny Pickett, he's pretty good in this Matt Canada system. And now here we are, halfway, over halfway through the next season. Kenny Pickett has turned back into the Kenny Pickett of the first half of last season. And Matt Canada has turned back into that OC as well, or the OC that we saw in the final year there with Big Ben. So I... I think his seat is hot, frankly, because somebody's going to take the fall. And I know there's a lot of loud voices in Pittsburgh. And for some reason, there's even a lot of loud voices towards Mike Tomlin. Nah, but overall, I, I that mean, organization. I think he's foolish
2: to bail on Pickett at this point. Like, he hasn't been what people thought he was going to be. But again, year number two, like, was not a highly touted quarterback coming into the draft, you know, two drafts. A better O
0: line like, would help him, too. I mean. <laughs> There's some the problems there on the Steelers.
2: I'd give it a little bit of a chance. Just because people thought he was going to take this major step going into year number two, and all those people were wrong, that shouldn't necessarily be an indictment on Kenny Pickett.
0: Right. Uh, so we'll see if they get that figured out. That Somehow that team, though, has stayed afloat. Uh, and they They're 5-3, and
2: three and like I don't know how.
0: Yeah, they do win games this season. They're not the only ones dealing with – a potential a quarterback situation. There are lots of teams with questionable quarterback situations. I made my own list. James Steele just wrote a lengthy list on our screens as I mean, well. James and Steele
2: just wrote like 25 out of the and 32 this is teams the in the thing. NFL. And, and literally, sure. it's the,
0: I think it's the same list. I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I have 12 teams on my list, and he's got roughly the same here on his list. There's like 12 teams that have a quarterback. Twelve teams, Aslo. Well, that can be I be can... nice to certain teams? Like, okay, most teams have quarterback problems. <laughs>
2: All right, can, I agree, and I want to bring something up to you that I, I I was I was noticing watching the game last night. So Thursday night football last night, Bears and Panthers. I mean, just a brutal game, brutal game. But it shows you how much we love the NFL in this country. We're sitting and we're watching three hours of really terrible football last nope. night. But anyway. There were several moments in the game last night where I turned to my 14-year-old son, and it was either an errant pass from Tyson Bajent or it was an errant pass from the number one overall pick, Bryce Young. I turned to my son, I go, what are we watching? Mm-hmm. And this happened several times throughout the game. What are we watching? And I feel, and I understand Tyson Bajant is a backup quarterback, but... I feel like we're in a place right now where quarterback play in the National Football League, it's like the lowest it's been maybe in my lifetime. You know, I don't want to sound like an old man here. I don't know, I'm not that old, I'm 42. I don't want to sound like an old man, but when I was was younger, when I was a teenager or whatever, if a team had to play their backup quarterback... It didn't mean they were going to be terrible offensively and not be able to move the ball, and the backup quarterback was going to pass for probably 50% completions and like 110 yards. They were still competent offenses, and now if you're playing your backup quarterback, you're not going to be able to move the football. And I don't know if it's from just really bad quarterback play or defenses now in the National Football League are just so much more sophisticated.
0: I think it's both it could be arguably both of those things. But I also think that the offense isn't nearly as vanilla as it once was. So that has something to do with it. I also think offenses are more tailored specifically to quarterbacks. I think that there's more variation in quarterback skill than there once was, where you're specifically tailoring your offense to this specific guy because of his very specific skill set, right? And the next guy doesn't necessarily have that skill set. And maybe that's a personnel problem as well. Make sure your backup plays very similarly to your starter, even if he's not going to be quite as good as your starter starter make sure he can run the same system as the starter but maybe that's easier said than done there's there a lot so of teams. many
2: games with really bad quarterback play this year
0: right well there's a lot of teams that need help at the quarterback position there's some teams that James has on his list that I don't even have on my list I'm realizing like I did not actually put the Rams with Matthew Stafford on my list Matthew Stafford's a Super Bowl winning quarterback right I mean that's the reason well, he that recently I don't have said him. he
2: still plans on playing a few more years He's not going anywhere So I I wouldn't have the Rams on my list. I mean, he's older
0: and I'm not saying the Rams are any good, but Matthew Stafford just sort of gets a nod and a pass from me because of that. I don't have the Bucks and Baker on my list, but I probably should. I feel like Baker's been pretty decent for them this season. And And I guess my expectation there wasn't, much better than what Baker's been. And frankly, when you pull the numbers, actually, the way Baker's kept them afloat, it's very similar to the way that Brady did during the regular season. Worst quarterback
2: situation year. in the league, Amber, is what? Worse Because you got to factor in, like, outlook on the future. Worst quarterback situation in the league right now is what?
0: Uh, oh, I, I, I mean, there's so many of them. Uh, outlook on the future? I, like, I don't know what the Vikings are doing. Although Dobbs obviously comes in, I mean remarkable performance I there. But Kirk I can't Cousins, wait to see him I think,
2: this I love watching him. And he Kirk, is Kirk is such Cousins a good is story. good, but
0: I'm talking about future. Like yeah. what are like Kirk Cousins is probably not going to be a Viking after this season. So what's happening there? You know the Falcons situation with Desmond Ritter now, and they're toggling back and forth. That looks like a pretty hopeless situation. There's some bad situations some bad around ones. the National Football League. Coming up next. What's the future look like for Justin Fields in Chicago? Speaking of quarterback situations, we will get into that quarterback situation.
3: You've got an 18.7 QBR in the end of half of games this season. That's where they need to see him make a jump before they can either say, yes, we're going to move forward with him in 2024, or hey, we've got to go get somebody else.
1: I think they want to sell to everybody else that Justin Fields is fully healthy so they can try to maximize the return in the offseason. If I'm a team that is not in an advantageous position to draft a quarterback right now, I am absolutely going and doing something like that.
0: Back here on Amber and Ian, Jonathan Zaslow and Ian's seat tonight. Ian, of course, on the call tomorrow for Ole Miss, Georgia. So he's taking the night off. Jonathan, so nice of you to be filling into his seat. But also, very nice of Courtney Cronin to be joining this show. ESPN Bears reporter, and most importantly, at least in my opinion, host of Best Week Ever here on ESPN Radio. I'm a little skewed, though, to the radio side of things here at ESPN, Courtney. But let's talk about these Chicago Bears. And where I want to start... Is not with Justin Fields because everybody always starts with Justin Fields, and he didn't even play in that game last night. But what did happen last night was the Bears were in the rare win win, lose win scenario that we don't often see because they have Carolina's pick. What is the temperature in Chicago amongst the fan base? You're very close to it. You also do television there in Chicago. Are they excited about the idea of draft picks at this point? Is that what we're rooting for if we're a Bears fan?
3: There's a certain portion of the fan base that is, and now it's a 40% chance, 38% of that belonging to Carolina's pick, which the Bears own in the first round in 2024, and then 2% belonging to their own pick, which I believe is fifth right now. But it's that chance that they could get the number one overall pick for a second straight year, and maybe they don't trade it away because maybe they go get a quarterback. And there's a a portion of this fan base, guys, that – is looking at Justin Fields, Tyson Bajan, saying the answer at quarterback is not currently on the roster. Now, it's the halfway point of the season, and the Bears still have to evaluate when Justin Fields comes back to figure out if that truly is the case. But I think you have a pretty big divide here of people who still want to squeeze out every last bit of the Justin Fields turn up and see what left is there is to, to evaluate to see – can he take less sacks? Can he show you that he can win games? I mean, he's, like, he's six and, you know, 25, six and 26 as a starter right now over three years. That's usually about the amount of time that quarterbacks have to truly prove themselves. And there is a lot still to be learned from the Chicago bears brass from the coaching staff. And, you know, from this offense to figure out if it can reach its capabilities with Justin Fields. But, You know, this is a three-win team right now. They've got seven losses, year two of a rebuild. That's going, honestly, according to plan. It just feels slow, and I think the patience is running pretty thin in Hallis Hall and, you know, among the fan base, and people expected this thing to be further along, frankly, than it is.
2: Courtney, when Justin Fields does eventually return and he's back in the lineup, how much of him – getting on the field, is the Bears still, like you said, maybe evaluating what they have? And how much is it them already knowing what they have, maybe what they don't have, and trying to drive up the price a little bit in the offseason to move him?
3: It's a great question, because if they do bring in a quarterback, how do they handle the one that they currently have on the roster, the multiple quarterbacks? I think they found a nice backup in Tyson Bajan. I really do. And... They've learned that, you know, they've learned a lot about the offense the last couple weeks because you have two different styles of quarterbacks despite both, both running the same offense. And Baygent solving the backup issue that this team has had to find like an actual backup that can win you a game or two, that's important. But when it comes to Justin Fields, if you go get Caleb Williams, Drake May, whoever else in the draft, Do you automatically assume that that means Justin Fields is getting traded somewhere else? If and when does that trade happen? Could this potentially be a quarterback competition next year in training camp to see who ends up being the starter in 2024, as we've learned, especially last night. Maybe quarterbacks should sit for a little bit and not just jump right into action if they're not ready to be NFL QBs. Who knows if that's the case for the Bears, but that could be Justin Fields' true If they go the route of drafting a quarterback, if the rest of the season goes kind of the way the first half did, maybe that's how they handle the quarterback situation. But, you know, there's still there's going to be some team that looks at him and says there's untapped potential. We're willing to give up, you know, a high draft pick to be the ones to fix Justin Fields, because as we know, in this ego driven business. Um, everybody thinks that they have the answer to taking great players from college and if they don't work one place making them work somewhere else.
0: Courtney Cronin she covers the Chicago Bears for us here at NFL Nation also best week ever co-host on ESPN radio on Sunday mornings alongside Peter Burns let's talk about the defense from the Chicago Bears last night held Carolina to 13 points but it's Carolina what did you make of that defensive performance?
3: it was their best defensive performance to date. And you're right, Amber, it is Carolina. They are not a good football team and they're struggling offensively. I don't know what their identity is. They've definitely not been, um, you know, with the play caller switch doesn't seem to be fixing much uh, by way of, you know, generating points and then having an identity, but it's a good sign for Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the bears that his his plan's working, at least, you know, incorporating Montez Flat into the mix so you can generate a pass rush because that's something they haven't done. I mean, they entered yesterday with 10 sacks and then they got three more. They went two games without a sack and they just haven't been able to pressure the quarterback, so that's stressing the back end of their defense. You saw the tide shift a little bit. Now, the real test is going to be can you take what you did against Carolina and then. Find ways to replicate some of it, because you know that the Lions are a great team, the best team in the NFC North right now. That's Chicago's next opponent next week. So can they do those things that work so well against Carolina, against Jared Goff in a, in a competent offense, and then Minnesota the week after that, both of those games on the road? That's where we'll be able to truly tell, okay, was this just the byproduct of a bad offensive line that couldn't protect Bryce Young? Or is there something here that's concrete and trending in the right direction more than just a one-game wonder for the Bears' defense?
2: Courtney, a major talking point after the game last night was Frank Reich's decision to trot Eddie Pinheiro out there for a 59-yard field goal <laughs> with about 90 seconds remaining. On 4th and 10, the kick came up, I mean, woefully short. What did, what did you make of the decision there, which – I mean, obviously Frank Reich said afterward it's easy to second-guess, and, you know, if I could do it again, I, would, I wouldn't have done the same thing because he missed it. What did you make of the decision for them to kick the field goal?
3: I channel some of Adam Thielen that this offensive performance was embarrassing. And that six-minute drive that starts on Carolina's nine-yard line, they get to, you know, just over the midway, mid, you know, midfield in Chicago territory, and then they do that? After burning up six minutes of clock, are you kidding me? And that's the best thing that they could muster up in a last-ditch effort. Look, they were getting the ball out a lot quicker in the second half. It's not like they didn't have a chance to move efficiently down the field. It was just like these boneheaded penalties and just kind of like a sheer lack of competence offensively for a team that, outside of Adam Thielen, couldn't seem to find any any other way to get guys open that's that's a problem and I don't know how you fix that midseason other than to do exactly what you did not do last night in your next game because what it whatever that was is not that's not acceptable and that's not how you're going to win games in this league
0: Courtney Cronin joining us Eddie Pinero by the way when he was at Florida he drilled an 81 yard field goal what's given in practice in practice. Nevertheless, tea? he had on pads. He had on pads. His his longest in-game field goal was 54. So it wasn't insane that they had him go for a 59. But, of course, it seems insane <laughs> in that scenario. Courtney Cronin, she covers the Bears. Also, check her out on Best Week Ever on Sunday. Let's talk about Michigan, Courtney. Okay, let's move off the Bears for a second because it's all all of us are going to be talking about. I'm sure it's all you and Peter Burns are going to be spending a lot of time on Sunday morning as well. What do you make of the Jim Harbaugh suspension coming down Three games, not coaching in-game for the rest of the regular season, the sign-stealing scandal. What do you make of this mess?
3: So I am not the expert here in due process. I usually defer to you for all legal matters, Amber. But I think this situation, at the timing of it, and knowing that the Big Ten has their sportsmanship clause or whatever that, that thing that they are saying Michigan violated regardless of who the head coach is it's different than the head coach responsibility label um, and punishment that the NCAA is separately investigating so frankly I think within their own Big Ten rule book Tony Petiti was within his right to come down with a ruling here at the time in which he did. Now the timing looks terrible. They're already, they're up in the air. They find out from a tweet, apparently that that's what's going to happen. That Jim Harbaugh is going to be sidelined, but not on the sideline. He can coach Monday through Friday. Just can't coach uh, in games on Sunday on Saturday for the next three games. Well, you know, that's, that's the exact same penalty that they had the first time around when he was suspended for the East Carolina UNLV and Bowling Green stretch. A little different this time around, certainly coming down the day before Penn State. Um, not great timing from the student athlete perspective. I think that they're the ones lost in all of this with the backbiting that's been going on between schools and the Big Ten and uh, all of the, you know, glad-handing that seems to be, you know, going on with people trying to, you know, guide Tony Petiti, maybe trying to take advantage of the first-year commissioner of the Big Ten and sway which way he was going to rule. But I think it was the safe ruling for the Big Ten because it wasn't so aggressive to where an injunction's immediately going to get filed and you think, okay, the uh, the Michigan's going to, like, sue the NCAA. There will be that temporary restraining order. Jim Harbaugh is going to, you know, pursue legal action against his own conference midseason, which the Big Ten didn't want. That would be such a black eye on this conference after the last couple of years of continually getting it wrong. And this, to me, was the happy medium of doing something but not going overboard to 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 then put like even more of a negative spotlight on Michigan in the conference.
0: You'll get plenty more of this on Best Week Ever Sunday morning when Courtney Cronin is alongside Peter Burns. Also, of course, always check out her work on the .dot com for NFL Nation covering the Chicago Bears. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks, guys. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. Coming up next, we will continue to get you ready for Week 10 of the NFL season.
1: Let's go! This is Amber and Ian's... Football questions from veterans. All right. So my name is Anthony Thober. I was a staff sergeant in the United States Air Force. And my football question is, do you think now that Joe Burrow is healthy, do you think the Bengals will win out and make a run in the playoffs?
0: Happy Veterans Day. That one of our sports questions from the vets, James Steele, did a heck of a job. Our veteran producer here. Senior airman, a- right? Senior, senior, airman? senior Airman? Yeah, former okay.
4: senior, senior Airman, yep. Okay.
0: Uh, he did a heck of a job of getting these veterans to send us sports questions. So very cool move from James Steele on all this Veterans my, Day.
4: They're all just my buddies.
0: I know, but yeah. you didn't have to say that. But I mean... That's I knew. pretty cool, Espe- though, right? Especially when the, the guy asked the pretty question cool. about Pittsburgh. I was like, "All right, I see what's happening here."
4: Yeah, he uh, went to went to middle school, elementary school, middle school, high school with that guy. Uh, he was obviously a Marine. I was in, in the Air Force, so a little mm-hmm. bit Man, different, you're, you're divergent much paths there. But, than yeah. Mine.
0: I mean, they both sound badass to people like me and Zaslow. Yeah, right. <laughs> All of it sounds pretty badass, especially to guys like Zaslav. <laughs>
4: Wow, what, what, what is that? It's presented
0: wow. by progressive insurance. Uh, what's also badass is the way that the Cincinnati Bengals have been playing. Now, T. Higgins is not going to be available on Sunday against the Houston Texans, Zaz, That's a huge loss for the Bengals. There's been injuries plaguing in this Bengals team all season long, but here's the key. Joe Burrow's healthy, and Joe Burrow was clearly not healthy at the beginning of the season, which is the story of Joe Burrow. That calf injury, though, at the beginning of this season – It was bothering him. He did not look like the same player. The Bengals didn't look like the same team without Joe Burrow being 100%. That's also a story that we've heard before. And then Joe Burrow gets healthy, and then the Bengals start clicking. And that's exactly what's happened here this season. I do think that this hole that they dug themselves in early in the season is a bigger one than even they normally do. But I also think that they are a heck of a team and poised for a postseason.
2: They they've overcome it though, like they started 0 and two. I think they were one and three. Can't have they dug themselves too big of a hole? It's over. Like that's not a conversation anymore. They're they're five and three. They're at home this weekend. I, I understand the Texans and C J Stroud are a great story, but they're they're a home win against the Texans away from being 6-3, and three, and maybe even a Baltimore Raven loss, because Baltimore's playing Cleveland, maybe even a Raven loss away from pulling within a game of the division, depending on what happens there. So yeah, the Bengals, they got off to the slow start, but we don't even need to talk about that anymore. It's over with. They're, they're, they're back in it. And right now, that AFC North, four teams right now, if the playoffs started today, which would be weird, because there's still a bunch of games left in the season if the playoffs started today. But if the playoffs started today... You have four teams in the AFC North who are qualifying for the postseason. Yeah, so that's a slow start for the Bengals. Over and done with. They're just back to being the Bengals, it looks like.
0: It looks like they are back to being the Bengals. Traeger is awesome. This Saturday, enjoy the one of a kind wood fired flavor on a Traeger Ironwood XL from the Home Depot. Let's move on to Got One.
1: Amber and Ian, Got One. We got one! Yeah, I'm good at this.
4: That seems, like, Steel. that seems like a good place to start here. Uh, the first matchup is the Texans at the Bengals. The Bengals are six and a half point favorites at home. what who you got?
2: Yeah, I got the Bengals. I don't know if they cover. I could see them covering, but I definitely like the Bengals here. The Texans are a great story. CJ Stroud is a great story. D'Amico Ryan's great story. But let's be honest here. Four and four Texans are playing above everyone's expectation right now. And and they're going to get a little bit of a come back to earth moment here against a Bengal team that looks like they're full speed ahead. So, yeah, I got the Bengals.
0: T. Higgins is out in this win with that hamstring injury. Sam Hubbard is out in this game as well from that injury that he suffered in week nine. Jamar Chase listed as questionable for this game. So the Bengals are not 100% by any means heading into this game. But again, the Bengals have been rolling. They look hot all around. Joe Burrow looks great once again. And as great of a story as the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud has been, and all the credit goes to D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud for a heck of a season so far because the expectations were so low. I would be shocked, however, if they're able to capitalize on this moment against that Bengals team. This ain't the Bucks, right? It was a heck of a performance by C.J. last week with 46 seconds left, bringing them all the way back against the Tampa Bay Bucks. But this is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I Give me give me the Bengals in this game.
4: Uh, you can tune in for a football Sunday doubleheader as the Jags host the Niners, followed by the Commanders at Seahawks. Covers begins at noon Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. So let's go there. Commanders at the Seahawks. Seattle is six-point favorites at home. Amber, we got... <sighs>
0: um, I guess, you know what? I have the Seahawks in this game. The Commanders are one of those teams that every season, everybody tells me, oh, the, you know, the defense for the Commanders. And and they're one of the teams, by the way, I'm not even sure you had the Commanders on that list, James, when we talked earlier about the teams that have quarterback problems in the NFL. The Commanders and Sal, Sam Howell are definitely on my list of teams with quarterback problems in the NFL. The Seahawks? arguably, Zaz, have their own quarterback problem because Geno Smith does not look like the same quarterback as last season. He looks maybe a little closer to the guy before that that we saw for all those years in the league. Nevertheless, here with this matchup, I'll still go Seahawks, even though this is a story of another two teams that I don't really believe in either one.
2: Well, yeah, I go Seahawks. The Seahawks are a different team at home. I mean, they got they got worked last week, obviously real disappointing effort in baltimore they're a different team at home you know about 12th man you know about that 12th man in I'm seattle all right man. yeah i like seattle that
4: was it uh one more real yeah. quick that's what you got hey he's moving that's things along yeah this is right. how you Come do on a on. pacey segment Amber. keep it a good pace here <laughs> maybe right. maybe learn a thing or two from your old partner I'll there all right saints. No. Hey. the saints are three-point favorites on the road against the vikings as we got
2: yeah, I, I'm, I'm going Vikings here because it's it's a sentimental pick. I love this Josh Dobbs. He's my favorite story in the league right now. I mean, it was a thrilling game last weekend. Josh Dobbs has to come in. He was predictably terrible when he came in for Jaron Hall in the middle of the first quarter. You know, because he hadn't taken a snap with his teammates. He he didn't know, his linemen didn't know his cadence. He doesn't know his teammates' names. And then he winds up leading this comeback and a Viking win. Uh, By now, players are coming up to him and introducing themselves. It's my favorite story right now in the National Football League. So I'm rooting for Josh Dobbs and the Vikings. So I'll go Vikings, home dog.
0: I'm rooting for the Vikings as well because I do think it's a heck of a story. And and frankly, if Kirk Cousins was out there, this would not even be a conversation. I would definitely also be going Vikings, not just rooting for the Vikings in this game. Saints getting three in this game straight up. I think I'd take the Saints, though, because of just how shorthanded the Vikings are. Coming up next, we go back to the Michigan sign-stealing scandal.